The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five on a Monday. COVID cases surging in America once again. Pockets of the nation still racing to catch up with vaccinations. And now the head of one major union is backing mandatory vaccinations for its members. In Washington, the Senate holding rare weekend sessions as it pushes forward the $1 trillion infrastructure bill. More votes ahead this week. Devastation in California as the Dixie wildfire becomes the second worst in California's history. Nearly 500,000 acres burned and containment still days or weeks away. A big weekend for Berkshire Hathaway after reporting its latest results with CEO Warren Buffett betting big on one stock in particular, we'll tell you who. And if we reached peak crypto, how Oscar Mayer is getting in on Dogecoin with a one-of-a-kind auction. It is Monday, August 9th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good Monday morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Thanks for joining us here to start your week. I'm Brian Sullivan. Welcome. Let's kick it all off with a look at your Monday money. Right now, we are seeing futures down just a bit. Dow futures off 101, about two-tenths of 1%, but NASDAQ futures, they are mildly in the green. Now, overall, it's been a decent start to the month for certain parts of technology. The NASDAQ is up just over 1% so far in August. But it's not the typical big names leading the way. It is semiconductor names like Micron, microchip technology, and NVIDIA, as well as biotechs like Regeneron and Biogen, all gaining more than 3% so far in August. What else has been hot lately? Cryptos. They have been smoking lately. Ethereum, up 20% just this month coming into this morning. Now, right now, they have cooled off just a touch. Bitcoin is flat to maybe slightly down. Ethereum off 1%, but still, it's been a red-hot August so far. We will get more on the cryptos in a couple of moments. But the big loser this morning, it is crude oil. Crude oil is down 4%, one of the biggest moves we have seen this year. Two things hitting crude. Number one, you got a rising U.S. dollar and concerns about a global demand hit because there are rising COVID cases in China as well concerns about new lockdowns. Both of those taking their toll and oil already weak coming into the week. It fell about 7% last week, the sharpest weekly decline in nine months. Crude oil is down. By the way, natural gas, it remains hot. All right, overseas, trading in Europe, it's already well underway. And like us, there are concerns about global growth being front and center. Let's get the very latest and join our colleague Juliana Tattlebaum in our London newsroom with the moves and some of the early headlines. Juliana, good morning. 
Brian, good morning. Well, interestingly, that pullback in oil is not having much of a negative effect on European sentiment in equity markets. We're off to a mixed start. So we've got a bit of green on the board for the Italian, Swiss and French markets. Otherwise, a little bit of red coming through, but nothing major. So European investors seem to be pausing for breath a little bit after last week's strong rally. The stock 600 outperformed the U.S. last week, rising about 1.8 percent. So a lot of those cyclical stocks performed quite well last week. So this morning, a little bit of a, uh, a pause after that run. But we do have a few key stocks in focus this morning from a corporate perspective. So let me run you through these names. Deliveroo shares up nearly 10% trading at the top of the stock 600 after the food delivery group disclosed that its German rival delivery hero, which is trading down about 1.2%, has taken a 5.09% stake in the company. UK grocer Morrison's is in focus this morning after UK regulators extended a deadline for one of the supermarket suitors, U.S. private equity firm CDNR, to make an offer. Shares trading modestly higher this morning. And then Vectora. It's a bidding war for Vectora. Tobacco giant Philip Morris has raised its bid for British inhaler maker Vectora to more than one billion pounds. The offer is 10 percent higher than private equity group Carlisle's latest bid. Now, this morning, the U.K. takeover panel will uh, announce that it will launch an auction process for Vectora if its suitors don't make final bids by tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Victoria board withdrew its intention to recommend Carlisle's offer and will make a further announcement at the end of the auction. So tomorrow, an important day to watch for this company and shares in Victoria trading about 4.5% higher this morning. Brian. All right, we will be watching them. Juliana, thank you very much. Well, meantime, back home, a big night in Washington as the Senate holds a rare weekend session and now appears set to approve the $1 trillion infrastructure package. All this as the federal government continues to grapple with COVID-19, the Delta variant, and rising case counts around the country. Cases in New Jersey, for example, now up 500% in just four weeks. NBC's Tracy Potts has the latest on all of it. Tracy, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Let's start with infrastructure because there was some movement on this overnight, a significant step in the Senate that could open up and and move forward some of these transportation projects and the jobs to get them done. New overnight, the U.S. Senate is moving toward approving a trillion dollars for infrastructure, transportation projects and Internet. Late Sunday, 68 senators, Democrats and Republicans the motion is agreed to. Voted to move forward. The Senate's back midday today. We should see final approval tomorrow or Wednesday. It's taking a while, but it's going to be worth it as we as hopefully we pass both bills uh, very, very soon. The other bill, the Democrats go it alone plan three and a half trillion dollars for health care, education, the environment. If you help you help get this done, you're helping get the $5.5 trillion bill done. The House is expected to consider both in September. By then, federal officials hope to have full FDA approval for coronavirus vaccines, prompting more people to get the shot. I believe that some people on their own, once it gets approved as a full approval, will go ahead and get vaccinated. But for those who do not want 
I believe mandates at the local level need to be done. Some businesses already are. Schools, some now back in session, are weighing mask mandates. Florida's governor threatened to cut funding if they do. I want the school districts to stand up against the governor. With the Delta variant up to six times more contagious than earlier versions of the virus. I'll be homeschooling this year. Some parents aren't taking chances. Now, as for booster shots, Dr. Fauci says people who are immunocompromised, Brian, should be getting their shots now. Some already have. As for everyone else, the federal government is still pouring over the data to determine when those shots might be needed. Yeah, Tracy, and it's not just COVID as well. You've got RSV, which is another respiratory infection that kind of went away last year. That's also making a comeback in states like New Jersey, just layering onto that as well. Tracy Potts. Thank you, and good morning. Well, all right. Although COVID is clearly on the mind of the market, it is not just that. Earnings season wraps up this week, but many companies still have to report. You got 10 S&P 500 names and one Dow component. Disney, all set to release their numbers, including names like AMC, Coinbase, SoftBank, eBay, Airbnb, and more. We're also, of course, watching the Federal Reserve and its potential reduction of bond buying, the so-called taper, ahead of its big Jackson Hole, Wyoming meeting. Joining us now to tie it all together is Invesco Chief Global Market Strategist, Christina Hooper. Christina, good to have you back on. Uh, Listen, hate all these COVID headlines, the rise in cases, rise in hospitalizations. Do you believe that will ultimately alter the Fed's thinking or the Fed's timing? Well, certainly as it stands today, I don't think it will have much of an impact on the Fed's timing or thinking. Having said that, uh, the situation could get worse. Let's hope we go in the direction of of the UK, especially now that we're seeing some increase in vaccinations. Um, But as of now, I think the Fed is continuing uh, to maintain that same thinking and timeline, which I think means we'll likely see an announcement at Jackson Hole or sometime soon after that. And do you believe that's what the market expects, Christina? Because it all comes down to what the market does expect. And if the Fed does something that we don't expect, that's when the market tends to make big moves. Do you think that's what's priced in? And when they do it, assuming they do it, the market will just kind of roll through it. I'm not sure it's priced in today, but keep in mind, we have a few weeks between now and Jackson Hole for the Fed to communicate that. And I think they're already starting to communicate that more, right? We had Richard Clarita come out this week. We've heard from other members of the Fed uh, talking about the potential for tapering happening relatively soon or being announced relatively soon. So that drip is starting. Uh, So the Fed may very well manage expectations by the time we get to the end of August. Yeah. And and is the Fed the most important thing to the stock market or to the bond market right now, Christina? Is it COVID and lockdown concerns? Is it earnings? Is it something else? It's a mosaic, right? Because we are looking at two very distinct tail risks. We have concerns about inflation, hastening, uh, Fed tightening. And then on the other end, of course, we have concerns about COVID, especially since the Delta variant has spread so quickly and it has caused a rise in hospitalizations. So I, I think that 
quite, you know, on a day-to-day basis, we're seeing the market toggle between the two. Uh, earnings are certainly in the rearview mirror. It's been a nice to have, um, but but I think the concerns really are around inflation on the Fed on one hand and the Delta variant and the spread of COVID on the other hand. Yeah, is there some wild card out there, Christina, that's on your radar as well? Concerns about China, not just obviously their rise in COVID cases too, but increased global tensions, increased tensions in the Middle East. What else is something as if there weren't enough for us to be watching out for right now? Well, geopolitical concerns are are certainly heightening right now, but usually they don't tend to have a significant impact on markets. What I am concerned about is the rise in COVID-19 cases in Southeast Asia, uh, in China, because that could cause further disruptions to the supply chain. Again, that is likely to result in transitory inflation, not persistent inflation, but it certainly causes, uh, it certainly causes problems and certainly um, raises inflation in the shorter term. So it's something we just have to be aware of. Um, there is that potential there. Christina Hooper of Invesco. Christina, always a pleasure to have you on, especially Kicking off the week, first guest on the first show. Christina, we appreciate it. Have a great day and a great week. Thank you. You too. All right. Well, we are just getting started on a busy Monday. And when we come back, a big deal in big chicken as poultry problems push prices to all-time highs. Plus, Goldman Sachs taking China down a peg or two. Out with new growth forecasts that you've got to hear this morning. Later on Alert in Albany as New York's lieutenant governor getting set to potentially take over as calls rise for scandal-plagued Andrew Cuomo to resign. A very busy hour still ahead right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's get to some of this morning's other top stories, including. Details on a potential billion-dollar deal in Big Chicken. Bertha Coombs now is here now with Pose. Bertha, I've been waiting to say Big Chicken the entire year, and now it's finally here. Yeah, you seem to be relishing that. I'm, I'm glad you're getting a boost this Monday morning. But let's start off uh, with Goldman Sachs downgrading its growth forecast for China as efforts to slow the country's COVID-19 outbreak could hurt spending in other areas of the economy. In a note out late last night, Goldman says it expects China's full-year GDP growth to hit 8.3 percent 
down from an earlier estimate of 8.6 percent. Adding annualized growth for the current quarter should hit 2.3 percent, down from its previous 5.8 percent estimate. Meantime, Virgin Atlantic is reportedly planning to list itself on the London Stock Exchange. According to Sky News, the British-based airline founded by Richard Branson has received positive responses from institutional investors about an IPO, one that would surely see Branson relinquish overall control of the business. And Big Chicken, Sanderson Farms reportedly nearing a deal to sell itself for around $4.5 billion or $203 a share. That would be a 30% premium to Sanderson's closing price on Friday. According to the Wall Street Journal, the company is in talks with Cargill and agriculture investment firm Continental Grain. A deal for the country's third largest chicken producer could come as soon as this morning, Brian. Wondering whether there is going just to be a big a, review on Big Chicken. I was going to say you wonder if it might run afoul of regulators, but I would never <laughs> oh. say that. <laughs> well done. I it's see what Monday. you did there. Come on, it's it's there's a lot of headlines. Monday, give me that. Just Bertha Coons. We'll see in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm giving it to you. Thank you. All right. Why not, folks? All right, on deck, a charred landscape in Northern California as the Dixie Fire now becomes the second largest in that state's history. We will give you an on-the-ground report on that devastating scene when Worldwide Exchange returns. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. Let's get more now to those historic wildfires burning out of control in Northern California, where the destruction and the heartache are staggering. NBC's Guad Venegas reporting from the state's largest fire burning outside of Greenville, California. Overnight, the Dixie Fire exploding to almost half a million acres, over twice the size of New York City. Driving more than 30,000 people out of their homes, the inferno has destroyed nearly 600 structures, threatening another 13,000. Four firefighters injured during a desperate firefight to cut lines, the flames only 21% contained. California's governor surveying the remnants of the town of Greenville. People are displaced and many will never return. And that's a tragedy. You're seeing here not just a loss of homes and housing, you're seeing entire communities wiped off the map. The Myers family opened their doors to many fleeing the flames. So he comes and, and hangs out. Sheltering displaced neighbors and offering food and water. We're lucky so far because we're still here. Bob Johns is one of the many now homeless. It came through so fast as you just couldn't uh, do anything but run. Just devastation just killed me. He's grateful for the support. Someone gave you this trailer after yeah. you lost yours. Right. But rebuilding is going to be tough. 
at my age, I think, how am I going to start over again? What do you feel when you see this happening? This is literally about traditions, sense of place, culture, lifestyles, identity, memories about kids and families. An uncertain future in another relentless fire season. Just another tough season out there, and our thoughts and prayers to everybody out in California, and our thanks to NBC's Guad Venegas outside of Greenville, California. Well, amid the Western wildfires, a landmark UN report on climate change out this morning has delivered a stark warning, saying it is, quote, code red for humanity, and that in about a decade, temperatures will likely blow past warming levels set in the 2015 Paris Climate Agreement. That headline certainly will get more attention today. Well, the fire, a huge story, but there's also headlines in Albany, New York, as calls rise for New York's governor to step down. Let's get more now on that and the wrapping up of the Olympics with NBC's Francis Rivera. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning to you. Yeah, we start with the Taliban that has captured a key strategic city in northern Afghanistan. It's continuing its rapid offensive across the country. It is the fifth provincial capital taken by the Taliban amid America's troop withdrawals. The walls are caving in for New York Governor Andrew Cuomo under threat of impeachment. One of his top aides has now resigned. Melissa DeRosa, the secretary to the governor, announced her decision, saying the past two years have been emotionally and mentally trying. She was one of Cuomo's fiercest defenders. DeRosa's departure comes after a report by the attorney general alleged the governor sexually harassed 11 women. DeRosa's name comes up 187 times in that report. Cuomo, who has not been charged with any crime, denies any wrongdoing and refuses to step down. Today, a Judiciary Committee will discuss whether there are grounds to impeach the governor. The last time New York State attempted this was in 1913. A joyful ending for the long journey to Tokyo as the Olympic torch is extinguished. Many familiar faces were missing in the final parade of athletes, having left for home early due to the pandemic protocols. The U.S. led in gold medals as well as overall 113 medals to China's 88. So yes, these Olympic Games are over, but as a viewer pointed out to me, Brian, uh, you got the Paralympic Games and that action starting up August 24th. So a lot more competition in those games to come. Yeah, and congrats to everybody, including the organizers and all the competitors from around the world for for doing the impossible. They said it couldn't be done, and it looks like it was done, and we enjoyed watching it. Francis, thank you very much. Sure thing. All right, ahead. Outrage and investigations at Alibaba. All of our questions about sexual harassment inside the Chinese e-commerce giant. The full story ahead. And if you haven't already, a reminder, follow our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. Check it out when you get a chance. Down Plight Open, down 114. NASDAQ Futures, they're flat. Oil off 4%. We're back right after this. Get ready. A big week for earnings, inflation and economic data, and Fed speak all set to roll out as stocks sit at records. But we'll do COVID lockdowns send stocks back down. In D.C., the Senate wants to pass a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, but it's the House that may hold all the cards Pimco's Libby Cantrill lays out the big takeaways and a big boost for Berkshire Hathaway and the Oracle of Omaha as earnings make his investors very happy and a big bet on one big stock. We'll tell you about it on this Monday, August 9th, and this is Worldwide Exchange.
Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for joining us here to start your week on Worldwide Exchange. And let's kick it right off now with a look at the markets and your Monday money. Stock futures, they are mixed. We are seeing Dow futures down about 105, about two to three tenths of 1%. But technology stocks, I mean, they're up four points, but they're not in the red. Overall, as we've said, pretty good start to the month for certain parts of technology. Now, overall, the NASDAQ up about 1% in August, just a couple of days, not bad. But it's not the usual names leading the way. It's not the Apples or the Amazons. It's semiconductor names like NVIDIA and Micron, as well as biotechs like Regeneron and Biogen. They are all gaining more than 3% this month. We also this morning have to take a look at energy because oil is the big loser of the morning concerns about a rise in China cases, maybe new lockdowns there. In other words, demand for oil may fall in one of the world's biggest oil buyers. We are seeing oil down 4%. Wow, watching that, 65 and a half bucks. But natural gas, that has been the quiet story that needs to be told a little louder. Natural gas, back above $4. Now, that rise, it's going to have many ripple impacts through the economy. So much is powered by natural gas in terms of energy, other products as well. Year-to-date, natural gas up 63%. Something big to watch with that gas, as well as oil, this morning. And right now, to the latest on the growing concerns surrounding the pandemic, as the number of new cases have now rebounded across America to levels not seen since this past winter surge. For example, in New Jersey, not getting a lot of attention, cases here up more than 500% in just four weeks. Now, as of Friday, the CDC reporting that cases overall have surpassed 100,000 a day on average. And amid that continued uptick, Dr. Anthony Fauci is putting a new timeline when the FDA will give full approval to the COVID vaccine. Fauci saying yesterday the move could come by the end of the month. The FDA is only granted, remember, emergency use approval for the Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J shots. Fauci adds a potential move could lead to a new wave of vaccine mandates in the private sector as well as schools. And speaking on that matter, because a lot of you have kids and you care, the head of the National Teachers Union says that she has reversed her own view on mandating vaccinations, saying she is now more in favor of mandatory shots for your kids' teachers. We are this week to, you know, revisit and to reconsider our policy that we passed in October about voluntary, that that the best way to do this was to do it volitionally. Now, let me just say, my members have stepped up. Ninety percent of the teacher members have actually gotten the vaccine. Um, But I do think that the circumstances have changed and that vaccination is a community responsibility. A big change there for the American Federation of Teachers and maybe good news for parents. All right. Amid the continued vaccine push in the country, just over half of Americans are now fully vaccinated, while nearly 60 percent have received at least one shot. And based like we told you last week on some of the recent order data out of states, the pace of vaccinations could pop in recent weeks. We are seeing an uptick, especially in parts of the South. All right. Now to some of this morning's other top stories, including a big weekend For one, Oracle of Omaha, Bertha is back with more on these. Bertha. 
Thanks, Brian. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway's latest quarterly results benefiting in a big way from the recovery of the economy. The conglomerate uh, reporting operating earnings of $6.69 billion in the second quarter. That's up 21 percent from a year ago as its railroad and energy units thrived. Buffett continued to buy back Berkshire shares at an aggressive rate as well, repurchasing $6 billion worth of his company's own stock. At the end of the second Second quarter, Berkshire's cash pile stood at just over 144 billion, less than Apple, but a near record despite the massive stock buybacks. Meantime, turning to Alibaba, the Chinese e-commerce giant has reportedly fired a manager accused of sexually assaulting a female employee. The apparent move comes after a female staffer posted her account on Alibaba's intranet, in which she said her supervisor and a client sexually assaulted her while on a business trip and that managers took no action. Alibaba has reportedly launched an investigation into the matter. And a federal judge has granted Norwegian Cruise Line's request in its legal fight with Florida over vaccine documentation. The judge's ruling allows the company to require customers to show proof that they are fully inoculated. Norwegian had been challenging the Florida ban, uh, which banned businesses from asking customers to show proof of vaccination, that ban coming on an executive order from Governor Ron DeSantis. It's a very interesting legal question, Brian, because the courts have upheld governments imposing mandates. This is a new territory when you have executive leaders imposing bans on mandates, if you will. Yeah, and the, and the fight is so bizarre because we've got corporate America, many big companies, Bertha, that have come out and said, hey, you want to come back to the office? And by the way, we want you back in the office. You need to get vaccinated. Show your vaccine passport or whatever you want to call it to get into a restaurant. And yet we're still having discussions about whether teachers should be mandatory vaccinated. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an odd discussion going on in various parts of the country. Bertha, thank you very much. All right, now to Capitol Hill as the Senate moves closer toward a vote on the roughly $1 trillion infrastructure package. Lawmakers there set to return later today to continue 30 hours of debate needed before the final vote on passage, which is expected tomorrow morning. But the legislation marathon does not stop there, as Democrats plan to take up a $3.5 trillion budget resolution immediately after the infrastructure package expected passage. Oh, And let's not forget, a lot of talk about the Senate, but the House has a say and may actually hold all the cards. From on what you need to know, tying it to the markets and your money in spring in, Libby Cantrill, head of public policy at PIMCO. It's hard to follow because there there has been so much stuff done out of Congress over the last year and a half. Let's separate it. First, to the, I guess we'll call it pure infrastructure bill the Senate is about to pass. Do you believe that Nancy Pelosi and the House will then pass that package. Yeah, good morning, Brian. I guess we we do. Uh, There may be some noise. Uh, Some of the members, especially on the progressive side, may need to hold their nose. Uh, But we do expect after the Senate passage, as you said, either later today or early tomorrow for the House to pick it up and to, to pass it. Now, they may not pass it until they return to from from uh, August recess. So this may not be until September, but we do expect by the end of September for the bipartisan bill, affectionately known as the BIF, 
uh, to be passed both chambers and to sign into law by, by the end of the September. But as you said, uh, that's sort of only the beginning uh, in terms of these spending bills. And there will be more action both in the Senate and the House on this sort of Democratic only bill uh, where there will be even more noise, uh, most likely over the coming months. Yeah, because the one that we're talking about right now, that one trillion dollar one, that that's for things that we all think about as infrastructure, roads, bridges. The president, parts of the Senate, they want to sell the American public that everything is infrastructure. Whatever you want to call it, it's, it's going to be infrastructure. The three and a half trillion dollar next package, the budget reconciliation, that's the one that's going to get the markets and really America's attention, is it not? Yeah, that's right. I mean, so the way we're thinking about it, if we're kind of in the eighth or ninth inning of this bipartisan bill, we're only in the kind of the first or second innings of this much bigger, um, more expansive definition of infrastructure, as you point out, sort of a soft infrastructure bill. Now, this is sort of confusing and sort of in the weeds, but it's important. So the Senate will will likely take up a three and a half trillion dollar budget that's non-binding. Uh, And that's important because it simply unlocks sort of the reconciliation process. So it's sort of the beginning of this Democratic-only partisan process. And that will then be followed by a binding uh, bill that we expect to be much smaller. So this $3.5 trillion number, we're sort of telling our clients to to put that into context. It likely will be much more watered down in the final form. But Brian, to your point, this is where the market will be focused because not only will it, of course, uh, include more spending, which the the market cares about, uh, but it will also likely be funded by some tax increases. Yeah. Now, again, we think the tax increases will be significantly watered down from what President Biden will, will, has, has proposed, uh, but they will likely be included at the end of the day. Yeah, kind of quietly. Listen, uh, Ron Wyden of Oregon rolling out his new tax plan about carried interest. He wants to eliminate that loophole. It's gotten almost no attention with the rise in COVID cases. That's a big one. I mean, that could be a big revenue raiser If those let's not forget those tax hikes, they are still sitting out there, are they not? Yeah, that's right. So carried interest, actually, uh, so it's it's sort of a a political low hanging fruit for Democrats. So we do we do expect that the closing of the carried uh, interest loophole uh, will be included in a in the final bill uh, that is that is ultimately considered probably not until the end of the year. Right. So, again, we're kind of in the early innings of this whole process. It actually doesn't raise that raise that much revenue. It's only about 15 billion dollars over 10 years. But again, it's a great kind of political talking point for Democrats. Things that do raise a lot of revenue, though, uh, an increase in the corporate tax rate. Our expectation is that does not go to 28 percent like President Biden has proposed, more probably like 25 percent like Senator Manchin uh, has indicated that he would support uh, and some other things. But again, we think the tax increases. So taxes are likely to be increasing, but will probably be more incremental than, again, what President Biden has proposed. Yeah, and it will call it WBI wonky, but important. There's something in that buy or widen plan. That, that would eliminate tax deferrals between fund managers and their investors by pushing it out of the partnership. It's too, it's too complicated to get into it at 540 in the morning. We'll get you back on soon to talk about it more. Libby Cantrell, Pimco, Libby, a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks so much, Brian. A lot of, thank you. A lot of stuff, folks, floating around D.C. There's a lot of headlines on COVID and whatever. There's a bunch of stuff and taxes to pay attention to as well. All right, coming up, look at that. Cryptos. They continue to mount their big recent comeback. Ethereum up 20% in just six days. 
We'll dig into what's behind the renewed momentum and whether it will continue. They're all up right now. But as we head to break, some of your other top headlines right now. Saudi Arabia's Aramco reporting a nearly 300% jump in profit for the second quarter, all amid recovering oil demand. Ramco also announcing it will maintain its $18.8 billion dividend. TikTok's owner has reportedly set a new timeline for its IPO. According to the Financial Times, ByteDance is now eyeing early 2022 for its IPO in Hong Kong, this after addressing concerns of Chinese regulators. And Panera Bread is recalling soups in several states on consumer complaints of glove pieces in the soup. The recall impacts more than 6,000 containers that went to Florida, Texas, Georgia, and Arizona. So if you got packaged soup, you open it up for lunch today, maybe look for a piece of a rubber glove. Dow Futures down 93. We're back after this. All right, welcome or welcome back. After surging to nearly three-month highs, the price of Bitcoin back to around 45000 44669 to be exact. Bitcoin up 32% in the past month, but that's nothing. Ethereum is close to double. It's up about 80% in 30 days. But then there's this. Oscar Mayer, the hot dog company, is now the latest to jump on the crypto craze over the weekend an auction ending that saw people bid on a one-of-a-kind pack of hot doge wieners with the Shima Ibu, whatever it's called, dog on the cover. The winning bid coming in at $15,001 for the pack, plus 20,000 doge coins worth roughly $4,000. So 15000 bucks got you a bag of hot dogs and 4,000 Doge coins. Joining us now is Coindesk reporter Danny Nelson. Danny, I'm not going to ask you about Oscar Mayer. Do not worry about that. But uh, certainly those are the kind of things that I think real investors and serious investors kind of look at and go, really? Not now. Anyway, to what do you ascribe this massive run in crypto lately, particular Ethereum and in plain English, because it's 5.45 in the morning, can you explain the recent forking and I want to make sure our viewers know I said fork-ing. Yeah, so with uh, the recent run-up in the crypto prices, I think we've really seen investors take on a more uh, risk, uh, risk, on-risk appetite. Uh, you know, with, uh, I don't know why anyone would, would put so much money into a pack of wieners, but with uh, the forking of the Ethereum network, we're seeing a move to really make that network a lot more efficient. There's been so many issues in the growth of Ethereum and in the growth of crypto overall because of how much, uh, how many transactions can run through that network. And with this forking, in the most simple terms, what we're seeing is an effort to change the way that it works behind the scenes to make it a lot better in, in processing transactions and a lot more efficient too. Yeah. Do you think that 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 post it's just hard to say post forking rally is going to stay or again, is it one of these short term anomalies that causes, you know, things to happen underneath the hood, Danny, that then just kind of, you know, because we had been in a period of weakness. What are you hearing about the future path? You know, I think it's really hard to track where the price is going to go from day to day. But I do think that the, the forking is going to help keep the price of Ethereum in particular up in the long term as investors look to this, what is trying to become a world computer of sorts 
And they're seeing that it is actually working better under the hood in terms of what it sets out to do. So when you have a, a network that works better, you're able to do more with it. And when you're able to do more with it, you have more of a use case. And with more of a use case, I can see that the price might be a little more uh, sustainable going forward. You think people overall were showing a chart there? Ethereum has outperformed by, by a large measure. Do you think the attention is not off Bitcoin, Danny? But when you look at, you know, your, your metrics on your own website, searches, whatever, is Ethereum kind of where it's at right now? For those in the know, I think that Ethereum really stands out as uh, something that's really attractive as an investment because you've got so much more that you can actually do with it than with Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin, we make a joke in the industry, it's number go up technology sometimes. Of course, it depends how you look at it. But um, with Ethereum, you can build so many things on top of it that uh, at least for those who are really tracking the space closely, it might stand out more as an attractive investment opportunity. Yeah, there's people out there that compare it to the Internet 2.0 or at least at the minimum kind of a new app environment with the creation of the phone. We'll see how it plays out. Danny Nelson, Danny, a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. On deck, Jeff Kilberg is here, and he is standing by to lay out all the things that you need to watch on the trading week ahead. We've talked about a lot. Jeff will tie it all together. Plus, your morning RBI and why the tough talk between Moscow and Washington, maybe not dampening America's love for Russian oil. Some new numbers you got to hear this morning. Dow futures down 104. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. Got some breaking news, actually, on Tesla. Jeffries just out with a note right now, upgrading Tesla to a buy with an $850 target. The analyst at Jeffries had been at hold at $700, but says he likes their direct-to-sale model, likes the return on invested capital. Tesla getting upgraded to Jeffries to a buy and an $850 price target. A lot of upside seen there. Well, that falls right into your morning RBI. And this one has to do with oil and our old pal Russia, because maybe this is not the news you want to hear, but we're going to give it to you anyway. According to recent government data and Bloomberg reports, America has a new love affair with Russian oil and oil products. Imports from Russia soaring as gasoline demand booms here. Overall, America tanked in 23 percent more Russian oil or oil products in May and closing in on nearly 850,000 barrels per day. That now makes Russia America's second largest oil producer behind Canada. Now, one reason is that Russian oil is nasty. It's thick and sludgy, like Venezuelan oil. But we need that for products like diesel fuel. And since imports from Venezuela have collapsed due to sanctions and American oil production is nearly 2 million barrels below its peak, we've got to get the sludge from somewhere. So even as our war of words with Putin and Kremlin stays hot, American refineries are running hot on Russian crude oil. Sluchanando interesna, which I think and hope means random but interesting in Russian. I hope. Now it's time to wrap it all up on the show with one of our favorite guests, Sanctuary Wealth CIO Jeff Kilberg. No Russian will be spoken in this interview because I have no idea what I just said. Uh, Jeff, from a macro market perspective, okay, you are the CIO, macro, COVID variants, 
Concerns about lockdowns. What do you see over the next couple of weeks? A lot to digest, Sully, no doubt about that. But what we are seeing is it seems that the equity market is on cruise control. We're winding down earnings season, but a really busy and bustling earnings season. So this week we have a little bit of calmness, but nonetheless, we're going to revert our attention back to inflation. We've talked about inflation all spring, all summer, and here we are with CPI and PPI this week. We also have some Fed speak. We have two voting members talking this week. But at the end of the day, this eight-letter word, this dirty word called tapering, I really think the market has that misunderstood. I know that we had a great jobs number last Friday, and people are saying that the Fed is now going to insinuate there's going to be a tapering at their Jackson Hole meeting later this month, or potentially they're going to insinuate tapering is going to come sooner in their September meeting. Tapering does not mean anything bad for the marketplace. If they were to unwind their balance sheet or go under $8 trillion, that could potentially be a negative headwind. But right now, I think the market is in cruise control, and I'm still optimistic on equities. So you don't see any chance they're going to do that? Well, you just said, negative for the markets. You think there's no way it's going to happen? Or a small chance? I don't. I, I don't see that. I, I think they're really going to try to understand and unpack the Delta variant, as we all are. And nonetheless, they're data dependent. So we did have a very enthusiastic jobs number. When we saw 943,000 new jobs in the month of July. We saw a surge in hiring, a surge in wages, but they need consistency. They're looking for multiple months before they decide anything. So I do not see a rate hike in 2022. I'm more dovish than most on the street, but nonetheless, I think the equity market is going to continue to grind higher. And I know there's a lot of skeptics out there, Sully, but I think you have to be really strategic yeah. on how you have sector exposure. And that's how you can dance between the raindrops. But look, there's optimism. Look at Berkshire Hathaway over the weekend. They talked about their earnings growth. And it's interesting to see Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, the CEO, the Oracle himself, they were aggressively buying back their own shares in 2020, a historic near $25 billion worth of buyback. So I think you have to understand, and this is what this earnings season gifted us, gave us some forward guidance. Yes, we have uncertainty with the Delta variant, but nonetheless, it seems like a lot of the pieces of the puzzle and the Federal Reserve undercurrent is going to continue to grind markets higher. Yeah, but and we know that Warren Buffett likes trains. They own BNSF. He's also been long Union Pacific you beg to differ, I believe. We, you and I have gone back and forth about it. Are you selling the transports? For the first time, we bought the transports, IYT. If you look at some of these transport names, we bought it last September. So we are booking profits. But remember, the Oracle himself, 70% of his portfolio is in four names. We have Apple, we have Bank of America, we have American Express and Coca-Cola. And nonetheless, we have seen Apple be the tip of the spear for him. It is a laggard year to date, but we get excited about Berkshire Hathaway as an overall holding because on a three-year perspective, Sully, it has dragged the marketplace, dragged the S&P 500 by about 20%. So yes, tactically right now, yeah. we are booking some profits. We're rolling into IEO. That's the U.S. oil exploration and production. So look at some of those names like ConocoPhillips that really have an opportunity, despite the fact that we have seen energy down about 7%. Thus far, this month in August, oil oil is down about four percent this morning. Concerns about demand growth in China and the rising U.S. dollar, but you're buying into any weakness, Jeff. It sounds like we are, and we're actually using relative strength. It's kind of uh, counterintuitive, Sully. But what we're seeing is more the political move we've seen in the price of crude oil, which is affecting obviously all the energy names. But I do think the demand. We will get over this hurdle. Yes, we are being considered of the demand component out of China due to the Delta variant. But I do think yeah. that the relative strength is revealing the fact that this is an opportunity to buy. This is a little bit of a gift. And by the way, natural gas up 63% this year. And natural gas also a beneficiary for many of these companies. Do not forget. Yes, sir. Jeff Kilberg, Sanctuary Wealth CIO. Jeff, a pleasure to kick off the week with you, my friend. Thank you. We'll see you soon. 
Thank you, Sully. And with that, we wrap it up for Worldwide Exchange. You're welcome very much, Jeff. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. Dow futures down 85. NASDAQ futures flat. Oil down. Crypto's up. So much to do. But I'm gone. Squawking the gang. Picking it up next. Have a great day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.